Okay. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. Uh, so this is my first time getting to speak to you guys from this stage, and uh, I'm about as nervous as a three-legged cat on a hot tin roof. That's what I feel like right now. Um, but my name is Matthew Langdon. I've been coming to church here for, for about a year now. Uh, my wife and, and my son is over in kids' church right now. He's two and a half. He's wilder than a firecracker. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, Clay has, has given me this opportunity and I, I just feel like I wanted to step into that and be obedient to God and, and speak to you about what's been on my heart here lately. Um, and so let's just start off by saying <laughs> that a couple years ago, I was a lot larger than I am today, okay? And so there's a point to this. Anyway, I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am currently, um, and, and my wife was pregnant with my son, and I realized that there, was a, there comes a point where if you don't change some things about your life, you're going to cut your life short. You're not going to live life as enjoyably as you could. You're not going to get the fullest out of your life. And so through that realizing of, of the peril that I was putting myself in, I had to take some uncomfortable steps into something called discipline, right? You know what I mean? And so I lost 100 pounds over like two and a half years, maybe well, two years. Um, I've gained a little bit back thanks to corona, but whatever. Um, and so I had to really put some serious discipline into myself in order to make that happen. And people would come up to me and they'd be like, how'd you lose all that weight? What'd you do? And what, what I, I ended up shortening my answer to saying, well, I ate less and I started going to the gym, right? And that's the answer that I would give them because they really don't want the full answer of, well, I woke up at 4.45 every morning so that I could go to the gym with my friend Steven and work out for an hour and 15 minutes. That way I could shower at the gym, get dressed for work, go teach all day. I would meal prep on Sunday, and I would portion everything out. I counted my macros. I macroed the heck out of it. And, like, you know, I knew the protein I was getting. I knew the calories I was taking in. I knew everything about it. And I was so disciplined for those few months, those, that two years and, and also, it took two years. It took two years to lose 100 pounds um, and, and do it in a way that I, I felt was healthy and also was, was making me stronger and more fit. And when, when you tell people that, they immediately lose interest because, they're, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're not willing to, to, to go to bed at 9 o'clock so that you can wake up at 5. You, you know, like there are, there are things that discipline has a price. Um, and, and it, it will change your life. Um, and so I found in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. Later on, however, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So in the moment, it was awful. Right? Like when I'm meal prepping and I was measuring out how much rice I was going to have or my, my half of a sweet potato or, you know, whatever it was that I was doing. Like when I was waking up at 5 o'clock and I was exhausted um, and I was going to the gym, it was not comfortable, but it was rather painful in the time. And, and the Bible says that this is, this is going to be the case when we, when we discipline ourselves, um, but there is hope that it will yield a fruitful harvest in the end of it, right? Like good things will come out of it. 
So what I want you to realize is that discipline will change your life and your life will try to disrupt that discipline, right? So discipline will change your life, but your life will try to disrupt your discipline because ultimately we don't really want things to change. We really don't want things to change. We want to stay exactly how they are. We might have this nice idea about how things could be better, but when it comes down to it, we don't really want to do the hard part. We want it to just change overnight. We want, a, we want a, a quick and easy fix. We want that immediate gratification. And so discipline will change your life, but life will try to disrupt it. And, and that makes me think, how many disciplines have I started, right? How many times on New Year's would be like, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. You know what I mean? I'm going to pray without ceasing. Uh, you know, like I'm going to lose the 30 pounds that I put on during the coronavirus. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like how many times do we start new disciplines and we step into that and then life comes at us and we quit. We give up too soon. Like before we are able to, to have the harvest of the discipline, we give up on it. And so what I want you to really understand is that your destination is determined by your discipline. Where you are going, where your future is going to lead you, is determined by the discipline that you have right now, the disciplines that you're going to start today, or the lack of discipline that you have in your life. Where you end up is ultimately related to the discipline you have or have not. Um, and that's a little challenging. That's a little bit unfortunate. Um, because I really want to just be like, you know, I'd love to be a millionaire and then just not put any work into it and then just wake up one day and my bank's got tons of money in it. But that ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen because I have no discipline to put me toward that goal so my destination will never be reached unless I have the discipline to take me there. So we're going to talk about discipline today in a, in a healthy, challenging way. We're going to talk about the things that we can do to, to take us to where we want to go. We're going to talk about how we can do that with, with small, reasonable, sustainable steps to get us into a, a healthier place, maybe a, a little closer to God, somewhere that we know is better for us to be there and we can have life and have it more abundantly, right? So um, we're not going to like pick up a basketball and be a D1 athlete without putting in some, some training, right? So we're not going to go and expect to be drafted into a professional um, association. We're going to start small, and we're going to start somewhere. Um, and so I, I don't want you to be discouraged by the fact that we need to start small. We need to start with something that's reasonable. We need to start um, with, with a discipline that we can continue to do, and we can build off of it. And in the Bible, in Zechariah, it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And what that tells me is that when I decide that I'm going to put this discipline into place, when I say, God, I'm going to start doing this for you, God is already rejoicing in the fact that I am beginning a good work, right? God is already rejoicing that I am deciding that I'm going to do something to take me a little bit closer, a little bit deeper into my relationship with him. So don't get discouraged if you don't do any of these right now, or if you do them, I want you to be encouraged that you're doing something great and you need to take it a little bit further, right? Like we can take this a little bit further. So, 
when I was thinking about my sermon and I was thinking about discipline and I was thinking about what, what is God speaking to me, and I, and I, I landed on self-discipline and I landed on steps that we can take to bring us a little closer to God, I started thinking about, well, what are the steps? What do we do, right? And so <laughs> I, I was like, well, where do I start, God? Where do I start with this? And I, I think that the thing that we should start with is the thing that is most important, right? I don't think that we need to worry about things that are secondary importance. I think we need to think about things that are of the most important. So I talked to Jesus, and I'm like, Jesus, will you tell me what's the most important thing? Um, and luckily, I was not the first person to ask him this. He had, uh, he had some other bros that asked him this in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says to these guys, he's like, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So right there, Jesus, the, you know, the, he's the best. He knows it. You know what I mean? And like he's telling me that love, the love of God, is the first, the greatest, the most important thing. So this is where we're going to start today. We're going to look at how can I love God and make that the most important thing. So how? How do we do that? Uh, that's, been, that's been the thing that I've been wrestling with. How? H-O-W. It looks like a weird word uh, because, I, I mean, it just does. But how do I love God? How do I love him more? How do I show God that I love him? How do I step into this and, and really reveal my heart to God and, and lo and behold, he is on top of it? And so I started thinking about um, the love that I have for my wife. Uh, and I love my wife more than anything. I would lay down and die for her, probably. Uh, you, you say those things, like, I, I really think that I would. I really think I would. Uh, and it's like, you know, in the moment, like, what, what the heck? Somebody's got to take care of my son, you know? Like, what if we both die? Like, so I, I love my wife more than anything, and, and I was thinking about, when we were cultivating that relationship with each other, right? When, when we were getting to know each other a little bit better, when we were learning each other, I think about back to the, the olden days when, when nobody had cell service, when you had 60 minutes a month and you talked on a landline. You remember those days? You remember that? And so when I was growing to love my wife and we were getting to know each other, we would get on the landline phone and we would say, I love you so much. I never want this conversation to end, you know? And so, like, I would, I would confess my love to her, and I would try to make her hang up first. Did you all do that? Did anybody else do that? Uh, I love you, baby. You got to hang up first. I ain't doing it. I ain't hanging up. Uh, she'd be like, no, you hang up first. And, and then you'd count down from three. We're going to count down, and we're going to hang up at the same time. <laughs> and then nobody hangs up. And then you're just sitting there. Uh, and it's because you, you care about each other. And even though you're not really having meaningful conversation, you just like to be in the moment with each other. You like, you like to be with each other, right? And I was like, that's it. That is how we can show God love. We can show God that we love him simply by talking to him, right? Like God wants me to call him. He wants me to sit on the phone with him. He will answer on the first ring and he will never be the one that hangs up first. Right? Like God wants me to call him and talk to him. And, and I think that this is biblical. I think that 
that God expects me to talk to him. I think that God has, has created us in the garden so that we could have a relationship with him, we could spend time with him, we could be in communication with him. We were created to be close to God, and he wants to be close to us. And so I know that it is not an extra thing to pray. It is not, um, it is not a negotiable thing. We are people of prayer. We are a people of prayer. Um, when, when we step into that relationship with God, we are opening ourselves up to say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I know that you have the, the best for me, and, and I want to have a relationship with you, Lord. And so I know that when we, when we start our Christian walk, we become a people of prayer. Um, and so we should, we should you know, enter into that boldly, and that should be part of our daily discipline. Um, if, if there was a time where I just quit talking to Megan for days on end, um, that's going to really hurt our relationship with each other. Um, and I think that for some of us, the first thing that we need to do is, is make the decision that we're going to pray every day, right? That's a baby step. That's something small that everybody can do. We can say a short prayer every day. For some of us that do pray daily, maybe we need to start praying more or maybe being a little more intentional with it. Um, and so we're expected to pray. We ought to pray. Um, and there's a couple different ways that we should pray. Jesus, he, he modeled prayer in multiple places throughout the Bible. But one of the things that I really liked was Matthew 6, 6, where Jesus says, when you pray. So it's not if you pray. It's not um, you know if you need something and you're going to pray. But it's when you pray. So we, we ought to. We should go into our room. We should close the door. We should pray to our Father who is unseen. And our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us for it. So when we pray, so right there, just know that if you're not praying, you ain't listening to the Bible, okay? I'm sorry to say that to you. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? Uh, so when you pray, you ought to go in your room. You ought to shut the door. You ought to pray earnestly to our Father in heaven. And so if you're not a prayer right now, if you don't pray regularly, I encourage you that this is a sign from the Holy Spirit that you should start praying on a daily basis. You should pray every day. Um, I try my best to wake up every morning, and, and before I even make a cup of coffee, I try to spend some time in prayer. And that's pretty hard because I'm kind of unconscious. But, like, I want to I'm, I'm be with God, and I want to talk to him. And so I'm like, God, you're more important than coffee. And that's kind of hard for us to say. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, I love you more than the first cup. Uh, but, you know, I challenge you, if you do pray daily, Try to find ways that you can talk to God more or have a little bit of a deeper conversation with him. Um, actually, in Ephesians 6.18, um, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. So not only should you pray sometimes, but you should pray about everything. That's kind of, I mean... It doesn't seem like it is a foreign concept, but I really don't do it. Like, why not? Paul tells me I should. I should be praying on all occasions. I should be praying for all of the Lord's people. I, I should be praying for each one of you every single day almost. Like, I should be in prayer constantly about all occasions. And so this is a challenge for me because I'm, I know that it's here. 
I know that I should be doing it. And um, that's why I wanted to share this with you so that when you're not doing it, somebody's saying, listen, you really ought to. Uh, you know, this is something that will take you deeper. This will give you a little bit of a closer relationship with God. So we know now that it's expected of us that we should be talking to God. And that is one of the ways that we can show God that we love him. The second way that we can show God that we love him is by listening to him, by listening to him. So it's expected for us to speak to God and to have an open line of communication with God. And part of communication means that I am sending, but I'm also receiving. And so you should be listening to God. And we cannot afford to not listen to God. And I know each and every one of us, we've went through dry seasons where we've just not prayed. Like there's been times in my life where I've, I've like realized that my Bible's missing and it's like covered with dust in a corner somewhere. And it's like, oh, there it is. I've not cracked it open in so long. I forgot where it was at because I'm not in the word on a daily basis. Or I'll, I'll get the, the notification from the Bible app and it's like the verse of the day. And like, that's the Bible I get that day. You know, most of the time I just swipe it and clear it off of there. You know, and that's shameful. Why am I doing that? Like, I, I love God. Why am I not earnestly listening to what he has to say to me? Um, and so if we really want to show God that we love him, we should be finding ways that we can listen to what he has to say to us. If he is important to you, what he says should be important to you. And so that's why we're here in church today. We're listening to the Word of God. That's why we sing worship so that we can um, have a moment where we can hear from God, that we can sing our worship to Him. Uh, but ultimately, in your daily life, you need to be doing the same thing. Sunday is not enough. Sunday, like one hour on Sunday is not enough time listening to the Word of God. And you need to have that in your daily life. Um, in the book of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed. All right, let me stop right there for a second. God-breathed. That's kind of a weird Christianese word, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, So God-breathed means that God was actively involved so powerfully and pervasively that the word is infallible and it is ultimately authoritatively the word of God, Okay. Rich, there's a, there's a slide on that if you want to put it up in case somebody wants to read it for their sale. God breathed means that he was so actively involved in the creation of the word of the Bible that it is ultimately infallible and authoritatively his actual words, right? These are words from God. So if you care and you love God, you should be wanting to hear what he has to say. So going back to my scripture... All scripture is God-breathed. It is from God. It was spoken by God. He was involved in the creation of it. All scripture is God-breathed and useful. Can we say that together? All scripture is God-breathed and useful. Right? Let, one more time. All scripture is God-breathed and useful. I just want you to speak that over yourself and realize that it is true. It is true. It is useful for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training or disciplining yourself in righteousness so that the servant of God, which is you, which is me, which is each one of us, that we can be thoroughly equipped, completely, fully equipped for every single good work that we're going to try and do. Yeah, right? Like the scripture is useful in every good thing that you want to do. That's what that says. 
The scripture is good for everything. So we cannot afford to sit back and not listen to God and not have moments where, where we are ignoring his teaching. We want to be thoroughly engaged in hearing God and speaking to God. So if you don't read your Bible every day, start small. Maybe it is just a, a verse a day. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a short couple verses a day. Um, but I encourage you to spend time listening to what God has to say. And the easiest way to do that is by starting with the word. Start with reading some scripture every day. Maybe get on a devotional. Um, maybe look at one of your friends next to you and be like, hey, we should do this together. Uh, you know, and like get somebody to help you stay a little bit more accountable and read together. Listen to the word together and see if it doesn't help take you a little bit closer to God so that you can show God that you love him because you're, you're earnestly listening. Um, the third thing I want to talk to you about is that we can show God that we love him by putting him first. Okay? So not only is this the most important thing, but um, God desires to be first in our life. Um, so that means that he doesn't want to be a priority but he wants to be the priority, right? You know what I'm saying? Like God doesn't want us to be praying while we're washing dishes and that's the only time we pray. Or we're listening to worship music as we drive our car and we're really trying not to wreck so we're not worshiping super hard. You know what I mean? Like God doesn't want us to just come to church on Sunday and then we're sitting here and we're, we're halfway disengaged because some new guy's up here just talking about whatever, right? Like, God wants to be the priority. And so what I want to challenge you in this is, is the only time that you're spending with God, are you sharing that time with something else, right? Like, are you sharing your time with God with something else? Are you distracted by other things when you're spending time with God? And if anybody's married in here, you'll know that if your wife is talking to you and you're looking at Facebook or Instagram, she ain't happy about that. <laughs> she ain't. Like if you're trying to watch TV or, or read an article and she's trying to have a conversation, you're messing up. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. Like my wife immediately recognizes that when I am not making her the priority during a conversation, that I, maybe I'm not showing her the love that she deserves, right? Maybe my distraction and my engagement with something else, instead of focusing on her, does not show her that I love her, right? I am not showing love when I'm trying to do multiple things at once, and I'm a terrible multitasker. So really, when she's talking to me and I'm not paying attention, but you better believe I ain't paying attention. <laughs> I, I'm focusing on something else because my brain works one way. I, I, like, uh, so just tailing on myself a little bit there, I guess. But, and so I have to be intentional with my time with Megan because if I am not, then I am giving her no attention because I'm focusing on something else. So... If you do pray every day, if you do read your Bible every day, but you are only doing it while you are multitasking, I want to encourage you to stop. <laughs> I want to tell you that it's okay to do those things. It's okay to pray while you're making coffee. It's okay to pray while you're watching your youngins. It's okay to, to listen to the Bible while you're walking on the treadmill if you do that kind of thing. Uh, I know somebody that was doing that, but anyway... 
if you do that, it's okay. But that should not be the only time that you give God. That should not be the only time. That is just additional time that you're giving God outside of your intentional time together. So I want to encourage you to not let your hobbies and your habits come before God. Make God the priority. Do not let your hobbies and your habits come before God. He wants to be first. And if you're putting him third, you're not putting him first. I mean, I don't know. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> hey, somebody gave me in that one right there, boys. Thank you. Hey, if he's third, he ain't first. That's a quote that one, Jeremy Baker. Um, if he's third, he ain't first. So we want to give him intentional focus. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. I think that's, that's scriptural. Um, <laughs> I've thrown myself off there one time. All right. I'm going to talk to you about something that most people don't really want to hear. And that is in order to show God that I love him, I need to give him my treasures. Okay? So... We're going to talk about this for a minute because if I really want to show God that I love him, I need to put him above my treasures. I need to make my treasures subjective to him, right? And here's the truth of it is your heart will follow your wallet. Your heart will follow your wallet. Anywhere that your money goes, your heart's going to follow that. Anything that's important to you, you're going to pay for it. So your heart is going to be following your wallet wherever it goes. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is he's tearing everybody up in here, buddy. And he says, do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like, that's familiar. We, we've heard that before. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Wherever your treasure is. And so there, there's multiple things that we treasure. We treasure our time. We treasure um, maybe our, our skills and abilities. We treasure our money and our paycheck. Um, and wherever we are investing those things, that is where our heart tends to be located. Wherever we are investing our treasures, we're putting our heart there. And so I want to let you know right now that you should be coming to church. You should be volunteering at church. You should be giving God intentional prayer time. You should be setting aside time to just dwell in the presence of God and listen to what his spirit has to say. You should be listening to the word. You should be doing all of those things. But even more than that, you should be giving God what belongs to him um, financially as well. And so if you pray every day, like this is, I mean, we're, we're just going in order here. Like if you really want to show God you love him, you should put him in charge of your finances because your finances will reveal your priorities. Okay. Your finances will reveal your priorities because if your paycheck comes in and you've got, you know, I got my boat, I got my car, I got my house, I got my kids, I got the groceries, you know, I got my, my, my credit cards, I got, you know, my student loans, God help us, right? Like, I've got all of these things, and if that's where all of my money is going, then obviously those things were more important to me in the moment 
than, than bringing God what belongs to him. So I can look at my finances and see where my money goes and figure out where my priorities lie because my heart is with my treasure, right? So all scripture is God-breathed and useful. So we're going to flip back a little bit into the book of Leviticus, and we're going to take a look um, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And the Bible says that a tithe, which is a, a word that represents tenth, so 10%, a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So a tenth, a tenth of everything from the land already belongs to God, and it is holy to him. So I want us to just think about that for a second, that not only is everything from God and everything belongs to God, but everything that you have, a tenth of it God owns. Like it, it belongs to him. It's scriptural. It's biblical. A, a, a one-tenth of everything belongs to God, and not only does it belong to him, but it is holy to God. It is, it is holy to God. And so when we come to church um, and we're, we're bringing in our offering and our tithes, I, I want you to remember that it already belongs to God, that we just have stewardship over it, right? Like this is, I am not asking you to give away something that you own. I'm asking you to bring into the house of God what he owns and give it back to him, right? It just, it belongs to God. It's holy to him. And so we are stewards or we are, we, we have, we are watching over it for a time. God has put us in control over it and it belongs to him. And he is saying, if you love me, you will bring what is mine back to me. You will be a good steward of this. And if you love me, you're going to bring it back. So it already belongs to God. It's not yours. So you're not losing anything. So bring it back to God and be a good steward. And so I want to give you just a little bit of challenging information about giving and the church as it stands today. And, and if this is you, just understand that I love you. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out because I, I don't know what your finances look like. I know what my finances look like, and this is something that's challenging to me. And so I want to share that with you because I don't want to suffer alone. You know what I mean? I don't, want, I don't want to suffer alone. So I want you to be as convicted as I am about it. So I was doing some research about the Holy Tenth, right? I was doing some research about the Holy Tenth. And only 10 to 25% of Christians give the tithe back to the church. Only less than a quarter, less than a quarter of Christians. So like if we were to look at this room, like this side, you guys are tithing and everybody else ain't, okay? That's pretty much what I'm saying is that there's a little portion that's saying, God, this belongs to you and I'm going to bring it back to you. And on average, the Christian population only brings 2.5% of their income back to God. So when I look at that, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that our, our hearts are not where they need to be, right? Like something is happening where the Christian people are deciding that they know what to do with their money 
better than God knows what should be going on with it, right? Like we're trying to take ownership of something that belongs to God and we're not bringing it back in. And I'm not saying that, that the church is in, in desperate need of money, but I'm saying, what if you brought it? What if you gave it? What could the church do? What could we do for our community? What could we do for, for um, the people that are in need in the church if every single person brought God's portion back in, right? The holy tenth. What if we brought it? And so by not bringing our tenth back to God, we're saying to God, Lord, I love you, but I need this for myself. This is something that I know what I need, you don't know what I need, and I'm going to spend it on what I feel like is important, right? I'm going to spend your portion on my pleasure. And so my question is, is God's portion being spent on your pleasure? Hmm? 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 How often do we take the holy tenth that belongs to God that is holy to him and, and by the time Sunday rolls around we, we might give a little bit but we're not giving God what belongs to him and my heart belongs to God which means that my time my energy I should speak I should listen I should give God my heart which means that my treasure should go in front of it. I have to give God my treasure if I want my heart to go. So it's not about how much money you're giving. It's not about how much you pray. It's not about how much time you spend in the Bible. It's not about your intentional time without any kind of disruption or any kind of distraction. It's not about those things because Ultimately, God wants us to trust Him, right? God wants us to trust Him. And if, if you love Him, you will. Like, like, you will. We are trying to build trust with God by showing up and talking to Him, spending time with Him, listening to what He has to say, being open with our finances with God and saying, God, you are most important. I trust that everything that I bring to you, you will do something with it. Everything that I bring to you, God, you know better than myself what needs to happen. And so I'm going to bring it to you and you're going to be able to make it fruitful. You're going to be able to make it better. And so it's not about the little things. It's about our love and our trust for God. And you see in Proverbs, it says to honor the Lord with your first fruits. So God wants the first fruits. He wants the wealth of our life. He wants the things that are first to come to Him so that then He can use them in the way that He knows best. So we should honor God with our first fruits. And when we do, we will see blessings and our barns will be overfilling. Our vats will be full of new wine. God wants us to come to him with the things that are first in our life and put him above it. Be the priority. He's above all of the first fruits. They belong to him. So, I want to challenge you today to take a small step and to 
to allow the Lord to rejoice in the small beginnings. Allow God to be rejoicing in heaven right now because we have decided that we are going to take steps into a good work and that we're gonna we are going to make ourselves draw closer. We're going to put ourselves in a position where we can be closer to God. And so here's what I want you to do. In order to love God, you need to talk to Him daily. 100%. Talk to Him daily. You need to listen to Him intently. You need to give Him time without distraction. And you need to trust Him with your treasures. And if you do that, God will know that He has your heart. If you do those things, God will know that He has your heart and that He is the number one priority. So let's pray into that together. God, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to come together as the church, that we could sit in a room together and that we could be receptive to what you have to say. God, I thank you for the opportunity to call you up, to know that you will answer on the first ring and that you're never the first one to hang up. So God, I pray that that each one of us would be challenged, that we would be a little convicted, knowing how we are, that we would start to put small steps together, that one step at a time, we would begin to draw closer to you, that we would put you first, that we would spend time with you without distraction, listening to what you have to say, sharing what's on our heart, going to you with all occasions and all kinds of prayers. God, I pray that we would be able to open our hearts and fully trust that you are good, that you have a plan beyond our own, that in the midst of uncertainty, God, that you love us unconditionally and that you are worthy of our full trust. So God, we we thank you. We ask that you would grow us, that you would draw us closer to yourself and that you would build us into a a forest of faith, God, that, that you would look down from heaven and you would say, there are the ones that love me. They have put me first in all things. So God, I thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you will do. And I ask that you would bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.